Hello and welcome to this Alan and Overy podcast, part of our Market Horizon series in which we're looking at what the future may hold for the capital markets. I'm Kate Whelan, a Senior Associate in the Derivatives and Structured Finance Practice based in London, and I'm joined by my colleagues Victoria White, also a Senior Associate based in London, and Christian Klepfer, who is our counsel based in Frankfurt. In this episode, we'll be providing an introduction to the carbon markets from a derivatives lawyer's perspective. We're seeing an increased interest in the carbon markets from our clients, and in this podcast, we'll be explaining at a high level what the mandatory and voluntary carbon markets are and how they function. We'll be talking about some of the recent developments in each of these markets insofar as they may be relevant to derivatives, and then we'll be providing some insight into the queries that have crossed our respective desks. Thanks, Kate. Listeners who take an active interest in carbon will know that we are expecting a number of developments in the carbon markets over the course of the next few years. As Kate mentioned, the aim of this episode is to provide an introduction to carbon and to discuss some of the questions we are seeing arise in the derivatives markets. Separate seminars and publications will follow, which address in more detail the legal and regulatory developments and updates in the compliance and voluntary carbon markets more widely. We'll mention those briefly at the end. So, Kate, to kick off, What exactly are the mandatory carbon markets? Well, at a high level, the phrase mandatory carbon market essentially refers to any national or multinational emissions trading scheme, which is created and enforced by legislation. They're one of the main tools that a government may use to bring about a reduction in carbon emissions. And if you're an entity established or operating in the relevant location and you meet certain criteria, then you'll likely be obliged to participate in the scheme. So the oldest mandatory carbon market in the world is the European Union's Emissions Trading Scheme, which was launched in 2005, and which applies across all the member states of the Union. China has its own scheme, which was launched in 2017, and post-Brexit, the UK also operates a scheme, which is very similar to the EU, at least for now. Interestingly, there's no federally mandated carbon market in the US, though they do exist at the state level. And so how do these schemes work in practice? So no two are exactly the same, Um, so I'll take the EU scheme just as an example. And essentially, the overall volume of greenhouse gases that can be emitted by entities within scope of the scheme, like power plants, factories and airlines, is limited by a cap on the number of emissions allowances. Each allowance gives the holder the right to emit one tonne of CO2. And then within the cap, certain entities will be allocated a number of allowances for free, with the ability to buy additional allowances, And other entities can purchase allowances, in each case either at an auction or on the secondary market, which they can then trade as needed. The cap decreases every year to drive a fall in total emissions. And if at the end of a year an in-scope entity fails to surrender enough allowances to cover its emissions, then it may face fines and other sanctions. You mentioned there the secondary market. So presumably then entities can trade EU emissions allowances, even if they do not have obligations under the scheme? Yes, that's right. So while the main traders in the European carbon market are energy and industrial companies that have obligations under the scheme, financial intermediaries such as banks and investment firms also have access to auctions and secondary market trading. And of course, they play a key role in ensuring liquidity. Allowances can be sold in the form of spot contracts for immediate delivery, but actually most transactions and emissions allowances are in the form of derivatives. So that includes futures, forwards and options. And ISDA has published and maintained standard form contracts for over-the-counter derivative trading of EU and UK emissions allowances. 
The documentation has evolved over time to reflect developments in the schemes. For instance, the transition from phase three to phase four of the EU scheme. So I'd say all in all, the the picture here is really one of a fairly mature and robust marketplace, at least in the EU and the UK. But how does this compare with the voluntary markets, Vicky? Well, by way of contrast to the mandatory carbon markets, and as the name suggests, the voluntary carbon markets are not a creation of regulation in any particular jurisdiction, but rather have developed organically, and they're intended to have a complementary and supplementary function to the mandatory markets. As such, there has historically been very little by way of centralised regulatory oversight of the voluntary carbon markets. Use of the voluntary carbon markets can though be particularly useful for entities which are operating in hard-to-abate sectors. That means where the ability of those entities to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions is limited by current technology. So, whilst both the mandatory markets and the voluntary markets contribute towards the efforts to put a price on carbon, the voluntary markets are certainly more fragmented and nascent than the well-established mandatory markets. Okay, and so in the EU and the UK, for instance, there is a centralised registry, whereas I imagine that's not quite the case for the voluntary market. Yes, that's right. The term voluntary carbon markets is how we describe the various processes by which entities can purchase and trade voluntary carbon credits, or VCCs, on a voluntary basis. By way of background, the VCCs are issued in respect of specific projects which are established predominantly in the global south and which promise to avoid, to reduce, or to remove greenhouse gas emissions. At present, such projects may be assessed by any of a number of different standard setters, with different standard setters having different geographical and sectoral focuses. Once issued, the VCCs are recorded on and are transferred via registries, a number of which are currently in operation. And in contrast to the mandatory carbon markets, which registry a given VCC is hosted on will be dictated by the relevant standard setter which issued that VCC. Partly due to this fragmentation, we're expecting lots of development in the voluntary carbon markets in the near term. Is that also true on the mandatory side? Yes, it is. So staying focused with the EU scheme as an example, in July last year, the European Commission presented the first part of its Fit for 55 package which is intended to put the EU on track to deliver its 2030 climate target of a 55% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And it's clear that the EU emissions trading scheme is likely to face some changes as a result. The UK also launched a consultation on the UK scheme earlier this year, which ended in June, and we'll be keeping an eye on the outcomes, particularly with respect to any divergence that may arise between the EU and UK schemes, and of course any potential knock-on effects for documentation. But how about the voluntary markets? Is it fair to say that the private sector is leading much of the development there? Yes, that's right. In terms of market-led developments, a large number of private sector initiatives have been established over the past few years, all really with the aim of providing market-based solutions to potential concerns around greenwashing allegations, quality of VCCs, and fragmented infrastructure in the voluntary carbon markets. By way of example, A particular focus of these efforts has been around establishing a core set of principles to provide a high threshold standard for the VCCs. We are also seeing work towards creating a meta-registry with the aim of solving for fragmentation of registries, as well as seeing a number of projects which are actively exploring the possible use of blockchain technology in both the generation and trading of VCCs. Okay, that's interesting. And what about on the regulatory side? So in terms of regulatory developments, 
In the US in particular in recent years, there have been significant efforts by the Commodities Futures Trading Commission to take steps to assess its potential role in supervising the voluntary carbon markets. In June of this year, the CFTC held the first ever voluntary carbon convening for the purpose of discussing issues related to supply and demand for high-quality carbon credits, product standardization, and also market integrity concerns. ISTA has published a helpful paper providing analysis of the regulatory oversight in the US in light of this increased focus by the CFTC. In the EU and UK, there's been an increased regulatory interest in the voluntary carbon markets, albeit this is at a less developed stage than the US. The attention today in the EU and UK has really taken the form of consultations and also regulatory statements with a view to supporting the development of the voluntary carbon markets. Thanks, Vicky. Let's now take a look at some of the practical questions that we've received from clients active in the derivatives markets. Christian, perhaps you could kick us off. Yes, sure, Kate. Happy to do so. So what we have seen recently from clients is an increased interest in understanding how to gain access to both the voluntary and mandatory carbon markets in the EU and the UK. To briefly repeat the basic functioning of the mandatory carbon markets, there are two principal ways of acquiring emissions allowances, apart from the over-the-counter trading of emissions allowances, which I'm not covering here. So first of all, you can acquire emissions allowances by taking part in auctions, which are principally open to compliance entities and financial intermediaries only. And secondly, you can acquire emissions allowances on the secondary market by trading emissions allowance spot or by way of derivatives transactions. So what we have seen is interest from non-UK and non-EU incorporated clients in understanding how to access both the mandatory and voluntary carbon markets, and with a particular focus on how to trade compliance emissions allowances on the secondary markets in the EU and the UK. In the EU, we have two main trading menus, the European Energy Exchange or EAX in Leipzig, Germany, and the ICE Exchange in Amsterdam. And we have advised clients on access requirements of these exchanges and further regulatory law requirements to be observed in connection with emissions trading. We have advised on similar queries about mandatory carbon trading in the UK. But Kate, I know you've come across increased involvement of emissions allowances in the structured finance world too. Is that something that might become more frequent? Yes, I think that's right. And I think as interest in trading emissions allowances grows, particularly amongst secondary market players, the more types of deal structure we'll start to see. So for instance, we've come across secured bond issuances with EU emissions allowances as the underlying, which has quite significant implications for the deal documentation, just because of the number of provisions, events and their consequences that are specific to emissions allowances and which really need to be thought through. And while I think we're yet to see voluntary credits make their way into the structured finance sphere, we're increasingly helping our clients with voluntary emissions-related work generally. For example, we've advised on terms of use and trading terms for voluntary credit platforms, which has been really quite interesting. And Ricky, you have seen quite a lot of interest in voluntary carbon credits, haven't you? We have. So in addition to the queries around access to the voluntary carbon markets, which you touched on, Christian, and to the advice on VCC platforms, which Kate just mentioned, the Task Force on Scaling Voluntary Carbon Markets, being one of the prominent private sector initiatives, issued a call to action on the industry to begin the development of standardised documentation 
for use in VCC transactions. ISTA is in the process of developing standard documentation, and we have assisted clients with putting in place template documentation in the interim. Three examples of considerations which arise in the drafting of VCC derivatives documentations include, firstly, whether the parties wish to transact in a specified type and vintage of VCC hosted at just one specified registry, or whether the documentation should be drafted on a broader basis to cater for transactions in respect of VCCs of different types, potentially being hosted on different registries. Secondly, to what extent the parties wish to align transaction terms around failure to deliver, failure to accept, or termination rights with specific operational terms of the relevant VCC registry. This is because If transactions under the documentation will only be in respect to VCCs from one specified registry, the terms around failure to deliver and failure to accept, as well as the termination right triggers, could be tailored to the operational terms of that one registry. And a final example of a consideration is whether parties intend for the VCCs to be physically delivered to the purchaser under the transaction, or to be retired on that purchaser's behalf under the transaction. We have also discussed queries around the legal nature of VCCs and the characterization of VCC derivatives for regulatory purposes. And finally, as I mentioned earlier, we are seeing movements in the voluntary carbon markets towards exploring the use of blockchain technology. And we've had discussions around the tokenization of VCCs, as the market looks to use this technology to solve for issues around fragmentation of registries, and also to guard against double counting of VCCs. Thanks, Vicky, and thanks to you too, Kate. I think it will be really interesting to see where the next few years take us. Agreed, Christian. I'm conscious, though, that the carbon markets are a huge topic that we could happily talk about for hours, but I think perhaps we leave it there for now. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you found this a useful introduction to the carbon markets. Our Environmental and Capital Markets team colleagues will be hosting a Sustainable Transition Seminar on the 28th of September. This will look at carbon trading in more detail, and we'll discuss the impact of evolving regulation and expectations in the field of carbon trading around the globe. In the interim, please do reach out to us or your usual ANO contacts if you'd like to discuss the mandatory or voluntary carbon markets and how you might incorporate them into your sustainability transition plan. Mm-hmm.